The Insurance Coffee House is hosted by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies, brokers, and insurtechs in the UK and across the United States, attracting and retaining the most successful leaders to your insurance business. To find out more, visit insurance-search.com. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and be inspired by the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House podcast. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Faye Kennedy. Faye is the head of talent acquisition at Markel International. And Faye joins me from London today. Welcome to the show, Faye. Thank you very much. Faye, it's a pleasure to have you join us on the show. Really looking forward to hearing what's going on there at Markel International. I know we've been discussing this for some time, so really looking forward to hearing about that. Before we do, though, Faye, as we're in the insurance coffee house today, what's your go-to coffee of choice? It's a black Americano. Fair enough. It does the job, and that's exactly what I've got in front of me as well today, so paired on that. Faye, really looking forward to hearing more about Markel, but before we get on to that, would you mind sharing with our listeners a little bit more about your personal career background and what's led you into that position that you have there now as the head of talent acquisition there at Markel International? Absolutely. It's quite colourful. So I decided that university wasn't going to be for me. And so the deal was with parents, you then go and find good work, go and find a, a decent job. And I guess like most people in the insurance industry, I fell into insurance. So I started off as a claims handler with Aon. Well, it was a subsidiary of Aon, looking after travel and corporate claims. And I really, really enjoyed that. And it gave me a really good grounding in understanding insurance. I then did a bit of a divert and decided that I wanted to go and work for Toyota, who had just set up their financial services division in an office yep. not far from home. But aside from that, it, because it was the financial services arm of the division, it gave me a bit more exposure to things around regulation, which held me in good stead for any future roles that I went into. I was then randomly approached by a neighbor at a barbecue who owned his own recruitment company. And we were chatting and he said, I think you'd be really good at recruitment, Faye. I was honest and said it wasn't something that I'd ever really given any consideration to, but ended up joining his company and really, really enjoyed most of the elements of recruitment. Business development element, whilst it was fun, it was tough. In the end, I decided to see what opportunities might be available to me in-house. So keeping the components of a recruitment career that I enjoyed, but focusing on one client. And an opportunity arose with a small RPO who had managed to land a contract with Royal and Son Alliance. And so that was my intro to the London market. So I worked for them for a couple of years, really sort of built my understanding of insurance and more broadly London market. After that, I did have another role with another insurance company, but they were more life assurance, so more on the life side, which again, you know, gave me exposure to a different side of things. I ran recruitment for that company for a couple of years. They then merged with their biggest competitor. So I took voluntary redundancy. The opportunity at Markel presented itself just in time. It actually sounds like, although there's been some jumps along the way, that actually starting out in insurance, then moving into recruitment and then combining the two 
realizing that actually yeah working for one client working for one business and actually doing the recruiting the headhunting the talent side of things rather than business development which is they're two very different roles to you know really take my hat off to people who can do both but i think recruiting is all about bringing in talent to an organization so understanding that's where your real strength was and then going with that in your current position at the moment then you're head up talent acquisition there for markel international what does that involve what's the remit what's the scope of markel international because i know it's slightly different to the markel in the united states Yes. So we are a leading global specialty insurer. So we are headquartered out of Richmond, Virginia in the US. We have approximately 5,000 employees globally and 1,500 of those sit within the international arm of the organization. And that's the part of the organization that I am responsible for recruiting for. Leading capabilities are in the cyber, energy, professional and financial risk, marine, equine and livestock, trade credit and political risk. Pretty broad. We're actually a lot larger and more ambitious than we're currently known for. Our half-year results we've just published saw us surpass $4.1 in revenue. So we're doing well. An exciting time to be here. In terms of the international side of the organization, as I say, which is the part of the business that I'm responsible for recruiting for, we operate out of the UK with a number of regional offices across the UK, offices in Europe, Asia, and also in Canada. So quite a broad remit for me. How is your team structured? Because obviously recruiting in Canada is going to be very different to recruiting people in Asia or in London. What's the structure of the team and division there? In a way, it's still under construction. We've managed to nail it for the UK. Internally, we decided to go down the RPO route. So we partnered with an organisation that we've now been working with for approximately four years. They provide me with the operational recruitment support for the UK across all regions. They're helping out a little bit in the Canadian space as well. The rest of the operations across Europe and Asia, we have some very capable individuals in country that are managing that process at the moment. As we think about expanding as an organization, we probably will need to look at that model at some point to provide them with the support that they need to make sure that they also have that dedicated support from a manager and a candidate experience perspective. So still underway, we're doing very well in the UK. Thank you for that, Faye. And I know a key project of yours, a key area that you were looking to build upon was your employee value proposition and what that means for your current employees, but also for external candidates and attracting people to the organisation. Could you share a little bit more about that, about the process, why you thought that that was important and maybe some of the steps along the way in how you've gone around creating that? It's a passion of mine. And something that I discussed in my interview when I came to Markel, which I think is what piqued my boss's interest in terms of bringing me on board as opposed to anybody else that they'd interviewed. Because I think unless you can effectively communicate who you are as an organization, what you stand for, what your culture looks like, it's very difficult to attract talent and retain talent. Two years ago, it was decided that it was time for a rebrand of the insurance arm of the organization. 11 years since we'd done that, you know, we'd grown as a business. We needed to make sure that we were conveying to clients, customers, et cetera, and obviously potential employees, who we are, what we're about. So we underwent a project. We appointed a creative agency 
to help us on that journey. And it was a really interesting process, one that I'm really lucky to have been involved in. The briefing was come up with a new brand for Markel. And at the same time, we'd like you to also help us develop an employee value proposition that can run alongside that. So if you think about a coin and the brand being one side of that coin, the other side of that is your value proposition and how you present yourself as an employer. So brand being company focused, value proposition being to current and potential employees. They came up with an amazing brand for us, which was the result of a lot of research that took place. So they went out and conducted research with a lot of our brokers, a lot of our end customers, some employees, et cetera, came up with the brand. To come up with the employee value proposition, they focused more on current employees. They used some of the results from our employee engagement surveys to really create a picture about how we are perceived as an organization. And that was the same process for the brand and for the EVP. So they went away, put together all of the findings, came back and said, this is how you present yourselves to the outside world. When coming up with the employee value proposition, we wanted to ensure that it was going to be authentic. That was the number one priority for us because the first audience that's going to be looking at this employee value proposition is your current workforce, right? So if you then go through this process with a creative agency and then come back and say, this is us now, this is what we are, it's not going to land well if it differs very much from what you are currently. So we needed to ensure that there was a strong authenticity component to that, but also we wanted to factor in a little bit of an aspirational component as well. We already started from a platform of having a really strong culture at Markel. I think it's always important to have like an aspirational component, to have a bit of a stretch in terms of who you are and what you stand for. So that was really important to us to address that and ensure that that was woven into whatever the result was. We were really lucky at Markel in terms of where we started on that journey, because when those results of the employee value proposition were presented back to us, a lot of it wasn't really a surprise. They said the most obvious thing that keeps coming out is that you are a people-orientated organization and that you have a really, really strong culture. And a lot of that is testament to something that was created by a former chairman back in 1986 before we went public. So if you think about the 50 years prior to when Markel went public, it was a very family-oriented organization that was actually built by Sam Markel. A lot of clans, grandsons have then gone on to be board members and have developed the business. That kind of family feel was very much ran through the organization at the point that we went public. And so what Alan Kirshner, the former chairman, wanted to do was create a set of guiding principles that articulated what made Markel special. And he did that in 214 words and created the Markel style. And that resonates globally. Everybody has their own articulation of what the style means to them, but essentially it's an essence, it's a feeling. So what was important for us when we were going through this process and developing an employee value proposition was to ensure that anything that came out of that was derived from the Markel style. We didn't want something separate. We didn't want something that didn't complement it. There was no way that the style is ever going to go away. If you're using all of these social media platforms, there's no way that you can have a post with 214 words on it. You have to come up with a more creative and succinct way of presenting yourselves and your culture to that audience. And so we came up with the UVP, which is play your part in something special. That's the tagline and supported by a narrative that brings that to life. There are three pillars under that, which are then also supported by five behaviors. The creative agency said to us, this is what we've created for you. It's now down to you to bring that to life. So 
you have to develop what they call proof points. And that's about us understanding and creating our own proof points through the tangible and intangible benefits of working for Markel. So those can range from the variety of employee benefits that we offer. And those intangible things like what we're doing in the DNI space, what we're doing in terms of supporting local community. What I'm really excited about is the development of our competency framework, which will now reflect those brand values and EVP values, which are one and the same, which means that we are living and breathing those words on a page. So we will be assessing our current and prospective employees against the same set of behaviours that we would expect people to be presenting if they currently or want to work at Markel. And that's the way that you truly embed culture by showing people what you expect in return and what makes you special as an organisation clearly been an awful lot of work in that and i think it's fantastic that you know you really listen to your employees on that subject you're not just telling them what you think the culture should be or what their values should be what the aspirations should be but you're also stretching it as well in terms of where you want to get to and the place that you want to be as well how has that gone down internally and how has that also affected or had an impact on talent acquisition side of things It's a little bit early to say because we only launched the brand in May. So that was very much more of a market focus. We wanted that to be all about the company presenting itself in the market as opposed to what that means for employees. It's very difficult to launch an EVP. You can't Mm. really launch it. It's something that has to be felt and experienced through those employee lifecycle touch points. So making the changes that I've mentioned before, like your benefits and your competency frameworks and all of that kind of stuff, it's like a subliminal drip feed that people come to understand through the communications and the way that you communicate. So tone of voice obviously ended up being something that we were presented with by the creative agency to ensure that we were conveying and communicating in the most engaging way using the the new language. Quite nurtured rather than this is now what it is and this is what we launch. It's just nurturing that further into culture that's already there. It's just stretching and also just sprinkling those little bit of extras in there, like you say about the employee benefit, just making sure that it's reflective in the brand and it's reflected in yeah some of the benefits that you have for the employees. It's important to reiterate those values. So having the values woven into all of your internal communications and the way that you attract talent means that that's always at the forefront so we should be conducting business thinking about those values you know does this align with those five values that we claim to stand by if not we shouldn't be underwriting that and same applies to you know how you conduct yourself as an employee you know i want to embark on this project or this initiative how do i align that with one of those five behaviors and those five values if it doesn't, probably should be questioning the authenticity of whether that aligns with who we are. Yeah, thank you, Faye. I really appreciate that. I think it's really insightful. You know, there'll be a, a lot of listeners today who they've already got quite a strong brand or quite a strong EVP, which they're looking to develop further. And it's really interesting about how you've gone about doing that. So it's not creating something from the ground up, but it's just working with what's already there and then reflecting that 
internally and externally as well. So sometimes it's easier for the startup companies to build a brand based on those cultures from the early days, but actually working with a long established business and making those iterations can be harder. So I think that's really interesting. Faye moves us nicely onto the espresso round now. I know you've, like me, you've got a black Americano there. Are you ready for the espresso round? Let's do it. The espresso round. Faye, what one piece of advice would you have for other HR executives in the insurance industry who are looking for, you know, best practice for hiring talent? I think if you have the option to do so, invest in external support to develop your culture or the way that you communicate your culture, because there is, in my mind, no better alternative than to have not only an organization that has the capability and are obviously very good at what they do to come in and conduct that research for you. I can imagine that in the insurance space, where we still see quite a lot of nepotism, all that kind of thing going on, for the results to then be presented back to the exec leadership team could mm. potentially be quite eye-opening and challenge the thinking at a senior level in a way that anybody doing that from an internal perspective could feel quite uncomfortable doing so. And if you can't be honest with your senior leaders about how you are being perceived, either in the market or by your employees, nothing will change. And you're never going to start from a point of authenticity unless those at the top are aware of what you're known for. If you do have access to that kind of investment that you plow into that, I would definitely recommend that. I think for those organizations that are smaller, that are startup, that are just thinking about how they develop their culture, because they might not have one at the moment. I think, again, that has to come from the top. It's about whoever's at the top and what's important mm -hmm. to them. Don't go with a great big long list of all these ideas on values and you know everything else. Start with two things. If that's what matters to you and you want that to matter to your employees and that's how you want other people to see you, and how you want to operate, start with that because that will be authentic and that's the most important bit. And then when you're thinking about the aspirational components, add one or two later along. Our values are honesty, integrity and excellence. We've had discussions and we've spoken to third parties about bringing in other values and linking that list. But actually, we just think if we can stay core to those three things, that actually everything will drop into place. You don't need to be everything to everyone, do you? All things to all people just doesn't work. Yeah. Brings nicely on, actually. What would you say is the most important thing to you when selecting an external recruitment partner? What's the most important thing to you when you work with a third party? To have aligned values. If I think about the way that we construct our PSL and the way that we assess the individuals that apply to be part of our preferred suppliers list, we have a long list of criteria. And some of the questions and the requests for information are more heavily weighted in at certain areas than others. Mm. So I think one of the best examples of that is how heavily we weight diversity and inclusion. And that's not necessarily about what they're going to do for us, although that's obviously very important. I think what's more insightful sometimes is understanding what that organization's internal DNI policy looks like, what their business case is, because that will tell you a lot about how they're likely to operate with you and complement what's important to you as an organization. In terms of technology, you know, leading the talent acquisition division across an international perspective is there any tools or piece of technology that's working particularly well for you as an organization absolutely i think one of the most 
game-changing for us is a platform called Textio. So a couple of years ago, I created a set of recruiting standards that were developed out of a recruitment policy. So what I didn't want to create was a an A4 document that people might dip in and out of and find in amongst all of the other HR policies. I wanted something that was going to be interactive and something that really showcased what best practice looked like and the expectation that will be on managers to approach recruitment in the right way. So I created the recruiting standards, as I said, and it's all done through a diversity and inclusion lens. It basically lists all of the reasons why we should be doing Mm. recruitment in the way that we're doing it. So a few examples of what's contained in that document are the recruitment training that we expect people to attend before conducting any kind of recruitment activity whatsoever, which outlines like creating inclusive job descriptions, a bit about legislation, talent attraction methods, etc. So it's an age and gender language neutralizing platform. So all of our job descriptions and job adverts are run through that technology. And what it does is it gives you a score. So it assesses some of the language and pulls out and highlights keywords that could be construed as probably more masculine or the other way. And you end up with a score at the end of it. And we ensure that anything that goes out has a score of over 85, which is a really good score, which means that you are then attracting equal number of male, female to those job adverts and that you're not discriminating from an age perspective either. We've seen an increase on both sides. That tool's fantastic. And I think for a talent acquisition team for HR, really great tool and I think very important. When you say you've been hiring managers based in different countries around the world, they've got their own relationships, they're looking to hire people sometimes off their own back. They're not posting job descriptions like this. They won't be using that tool to post job adverts. How do you try and have an international team and an international outlook on recruitment where it is more sort of standardized and you know people are brought together in a way of doing things on a common basis? Is there anything that you've sort of implemented since you've been growing out the talent function there? We have a standalone one template for job adverts and job descriptions, which is a short blurb on who Markel is as a global organization, which provides some facts and figures, etc. That's from a job description perspective, but from a job advert perspective, I would be providing some guidance on that to the international space. And we have templates for them, and that's all been created since the development of the employee value proposition to ensure that we're using that consistent language. There are templates in place. I usually do a bit of a scan to make sure that however we're promoting ourselves is appropriate. And I know we've talked about it off air previously about some of the recruitment standardization that you've been doing there and having minimum standards across the board. Can you discuss that a little bit further as well and what that sort of means to you and to the business? A couple of years ago, we realized that we had an HR policy for pretty much everything within HR apart from recruitment. And so Mm. what we decided was we wanted to develop something that not only obviously outlined said policy, but was probably more of an interactive document that hiring managers could dip in and out of as and when they were hiring. And what it outlines is best practice. And it's all written through a diversity and inclusion lens. We don't mandate, but we strongly recommend anybody that's going to be involved in any recruitment activity attends the recruiting right training that we put on it's facilitated by an external provider but it's brilliant it covers things like creating inclusive job descriptions a little bit about legislation wherever you are 
any of our international spaces. Effective talent attraction methods, the importance of shortlisting against a predetermined set of criteria, things like that. So that's a really good starting point. The rest of the document sort of just outlines best practice and the way that we would expect hiring managers to approach recruitment rather than just looking at it as it's a bit of a nuisance off the side Mm. of your desk kind of activity that has Mm. to happen. Drilling down on, you know, how important it is to ensure that you give yourself enough time in order to give the candidate a good experience, because all of these brand and EVP related activities, whilst they're brilliant, they have to be underpinned by a really strong operational offering to ensure that you're executing against that, because it's all about candidate experience at the end of the day. We can say we're this. But if it's not backed by what they experience, then it means nothing. And if we are going to be presenting ourselves as a diverse and inclusive environment, we need to be sure that we are doing recruitment from that angle as well. So, like I said, using the Textio platform to make sure that we're running all of our job descriptions through there. I implemented an idea called the wildcard, which has actually worked quite well in the wholesale space where I didn't think it would land very well. You sit with a hiring manager, he or she explains their requirements. You present as many CVs as possible that match 100% of their requirements, but you also put in front of them one that only matches 75%. But the reason that you're doing that is because that individual comes from a different educational background or a different industry or something that they wouldn't necessarily have thought about or wouldn't necessarily have looked at had you not put it in front of them. We've had so much positive feedback on that from various pockets of the organisation to say, I would never, ever have looked at that CV and I would never have interviewed that person. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be employing that individual, but what it does is it creates and encourages diversity of thought, not only from a DNI perspective within the organization, but for your bottom line, as we all know. So really proud of the recruiting standards and it's something that we're really proud of. At the beginning it was quite difficult to communicate that to mm-hmm. managers because there were a lot of changes they'd got set in their ways of doing things, but we're making progress. So important because you can bring in all the policies and processes you like into that corporate structure, but actually at a local level, the hiring managers and the people in those different countries have also got to be working to those same standards as well, particularly around some of those areas, DE&I and other areas that you want to be uniform across the business because it's really important. can't believe we've almost reached the end of our time together today. The time has absolutely flown by. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show final piece of advice for our listeners and if anyone's interested in a career at markel international what's the best way of reaching out to you to the business whether you're interviewing or somebody that sits in my space just ensure authenticity is key you won't get anywhere without that that's really important linkedin would be the best place to get me we'll post you a link to your profile on the show notes so listeners can just click straight through and connect with you drop you a message Faye, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the show today. Really enjoyed the discussion. Projects that you've been working on there at Marco and Sasha are really important, not just for Marco, but across the industry. I think it sort of raises the standards across the insurance industry, which is really, really important. So it's great to see you guys right at the forefront of that. So yeah, we really appreciate your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time for another episode packed with insights and advice for senior leaders, C-suite executives, and ambitious insurance professionals. Stream all episodes at insurance-search.com.